Hey, how's it going everybody? Welcome to Who's You, the Chandler Gilbert Community College Visual and Performing Arts Field of Interest podcast. This is our second episode and we are lucky enough to sit down and hear from Megan Drivinghawk. Megan is the white wife and mother in a Lakota family, a high school art teacher, an artist, a poet, an advocate for indigenous land sovereignty, a runner, and a member of Phoenix-based art collective iLounge. So, without any wait, we'll jump right into our interview with Megan Drivinghawk. We're going to act like we didn't just already record this and have to re-record it. Sounds great. So, thanks for making time for coming and talking to us. Thank you for having me. No problem. So, can you tell us about your education path? Sure. So, I'm going to start back at high school because that's what makes sense to me, and I'm going to make it very... High school made no sense to me. Um, you know, high school didn't make sense to me either. Yeah. I got kicked out of my high school art class. So did you? I sure did. All right, let's hear it. Um, I Because I was an athlete, the art teacher thought I couldn't do both. Oh, really? Yeah, so I do both now. Yeah, so you I'd do. So I would really like to go back and... <laughs> and I teach art, so... Yeah. I'd like to go back and tell them I can do both. Anyway, so... Um, in high school, I wanted to study photography, so I researched uh, the top places and ASU, Arizona State University, came up as, I think it was third or fourth in the nation at the time for their graduate program, and I knew that the same people that taught their grad classes taught their undergrad classes, so ASU it was. Got my Bachelor's of Fine Art in Photography and minor in Women and Gender Studies. And right out of the gate, I started working in a gallery that was also a dark room and lab where I taught and I did tours. Um, but shortly after, I realized that I wanted to be the one that came with the students instead of the one that... Um, the students came to. I didn't want to be the field trip. I wanted to go on the field trip. <laughs> you guys all might be hearing my dog snorting in the background. <laughs> She's literally like inches from my face. <laughs> um, so did that and then um, got my, a my master's in secondary education from ASU. Uh, with a specialization in K through 12 art. Did that for two years and then we moved to Missouri. My husband and I moved to Missouri because he got accepted to med school. So I, I still taught. I was teaching art on a cart for two years, K through eight, but then also getting my master's in um, interdisciplinary studies. So I have a master's in fine art, a or a, a bachelor's in fine art, a master's in interdisciplinary studies, and then a master's in secondary ed. That is the most direct path yeah. I've ever heard, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah. important though for students to hear because I think, um, right, we, we always try to help students get through the process as streamlined as possible, but yeah. like that's not always the case, right? No. And I enjoyed what I did uh -huh. in every section that I did it, 
right? Sure. Like I, I enjoyed working at the gallery, but then realized, what do I enjoy more? Oh, teaching. So then went and got a teaching degree. And then I had always wanted my MFA, always mm. wanted it. My husband knew that. We were just kind of waiting for the right time and moving out of state somewhere where we knew we weren't going to stay. Yeah. Um, seemed like the right time. Yeah. Because then we knew it was before we were going to have kids. I had to do it before we had kids. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and I think it's fascinating. I mean, I think it's something that that we'll talk about more in this interview. But I think you're uh, you're. What stands out to me about you is you're this collection of all of these things, mm -hmm. right? Like you, you're somebody that you're like, um, there's a, there's a lot of roles that you play, and I don't ever think about you in as them individually. Mm -hmm. It's like you're a collection of all of these mm -hmm. things, more so than more so than a lot of people that that I know. So, with that said, um, where did you get your interest in or I'm sorry, in poetry? Where did your interest in poetry come from? And how have you found the balance between text and image-based work? Yeah, uh, poetry came first before anything. Poetry came first. I've been writing poetry since I could remember. Um, my parents divorced when I was really, really young. And I remember writing poetry while they were together, mm. like in the house that they were together in. So. Mm. Um, poetry came first, um, then the love of dance happened, and <laughs> then the love of photography happened. So I've been writing poetry kind of like in the background, my entire undergrad and graduate program, mm -hmm. and just recently decided that it was time to bring them together. Um, I do them separately. So I feel like I now have balance and I don't think I would have had balance any time before now with both of them. Like they have been these separate things that I think needed to stay separate until I was mature enough to bring them together. Sure. Um, and undergrad was, I graduated in undergrad in 2010. So, I mean, this is been a long time yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but i so i currently i still do them separately photography happens poetry happens and it's not until i would say the poem is complete ish and the photograph is complete ish that i then look at the two and start thinking about how they communicate to each other and what is how does one complement the other? Not necessarily how does one explain the other? That's yeah. not what I'm looking for. How does one complement the other? So how does it leave room for more questions? Sure. That's, that's beautiful. I love that. Who are some of the uh, artists and non-artists that inspire you and why do they inspire you? Yeah, so I have a list here because I didn't want to forget anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first and foremost, um, the Artist Mother podcast has been incredibly influential. I have probably listened to all but three episodes at this point. Um, 
every single one of those episodes have influenced me in some way. Um, Kaylin Butine, she's the one, she's the artist who, she's an artist mother herself. Um, she's the one who started the podcast and has created this network that hopefully I will continue expanding here in the Phoenix area. Um, but it's, it's, the Artist Mother podcast is a very uh, nationwide thing. And um, so every woman, every mother, every person who is involved with that is yeah. is on my list. Um, cool. But Isadora Stowe and uh, Mindy Wittick, who actually was a member of iLounge oh, really? back in the day. Yep, yep. Cool. We connected and, and found that out. Cool. Uh, Lauren Francis Evans and Chloe Alexander. So those are all artist mothers working in different things. Printmaking, photography, fiber arts. Um, worth a look if parenting and artistry is your thing for yeah, sure cool um i would say the mother of artist mothers louise bourgeois mm -hmm. if you don't know louise bourgeois you should so look them up look her up um kara walker she just has this unapologetic way of being like i'm a mother and I'm an artist and deal with it kind yeah. of a thing. So I dig that. And then um, I wanted to mention Robin Wall Kimmerer. She is the author of Braiding Sweetgrass and Gathering Moss. Uh, I had the wonderful opportunity of going on a residency in March to the Stay Home Gallery. And I got to listen to both books audio version and she reads them and that has been <laughs> do you have something to say Addie has something too? to say here um i still think about what i took notes on while listening to both of those cool um yeah, and I think I will forever continue going back to my notes on those two books. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, just listening to you talk about your influences, I think one thing that gets brought up a lot was when I'm, when I'm talking to students is uh, they're afraid to have influences that are artists because then they feel like they're copying or they're like, mm -hmm. you know, copying or, you know, treading over somebody else's work but then also they have a hard time connecting with you know connecting people that are not visual artists to what they're doing visually and so I'm actually, I just think that that's always something to think about is like who who influences you and, and why yeah right so um yeah that's something that grad school taught me I would say totally. <laughs> more so than like anything else and it's something that I um, when I teach my AP kids and my commercial kids and they do their sustained investigations, which are independent projects that they're working on, um, they have to do research yes. and their research has to be 
not artist related. It has to be um, what is something outside of photography that is interesting to you. Yeah. So they they have to do it because that's it's awesome. been so important for me. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's huge. I think we live in a society where um, photography, especially with for young people, you know, even people our age of like, yeah. You know, I, I have noticed that conversations that I've had with people about photography turns to Instagram. Oh, Like, yeah. Instagram is photography. Yeah. And it's, like, it's it's important to realize that influence for photography and photography both exist outside of where the majority of people see photographs, right? Yes. So, yes. I th yeah, I think that's great. Um, so, I think... You know, I've mentioned earlier, one thing that I'm really fascinated with you about is you have all of these roles, right? You have all of these roles and, uh, and you, <laughs> and you bring them all together to, to make, to, 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 uh, influence your art practice. So how does, how does that intersectionality inform your art? And do you ever feel overwhelmed? Cause I, you know, I know that you deal with some pretty heavy topics in your, in your, in your work. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by the art that you make yes and and like emotionally burdened by it and can you talk about that a little yes. bit yes I go in these cycles of like when making art is something exciting and calming and then feeling the pressure to say something about it in the correct way mm -hmm. um I am a part of a running group started by Jordan Daniels. Uh, she has created the, uh, it's called Running With Purpose, and she is the founder of Rising Hearts. It's a, a running group of 30 runners across the nation who are running for justice, basically. And we all have a cause that we're running for. And mine is about how I used to be a runner in high school, as I mentioned earlier. And I've been an athlete all my life, I feel. And um, when I was pregnant with my son, I just started thinking about my movement across the land a bit differently because I'm a white woman growing an indigenous baby in my womb and the responsibility that I had to keep us healthy and the responsibility that I have to teach him how to be a good steward of the land now and how do we move. Moving and walking and running healed me physically postpartum and um, physically and spiritually and I've been walking and moving with him since he was in my belly and so that's what my that's what my purpose is and that I take very very seriously and um, 
a lot of I make my photographs while we're on our runs and our on our walks and we're moving across the land that's where I make a lot of my photographs so um, I've been recently a little tripped up on how do I share this with the world and if I want to do this race and I want to make a photograph from my time doing this race, how do I, um, how do I keep it sustainable for myself? How do I keep running in a race once a month? How do I pay for that? And how do I then keep the practice of making a photograph and selling like 10 of them and then donating the proceeds because that's what most of my work is about is is this um land stewardship and and shifting of money back to indigenous-led land stewards and so how do i keep that sustainable for myself as a white woman so if I how, how do I not make a profit on harm and colonization and how you know how do I how do I navigate that and I think that I've been I've, I know I've been thinking about these things since before I was pregnant. I've been thinking about these things. I don't sell my beadwork because there are indigenous beaders who make a living off of their beadwork. Um, but I felt like photography was in my, it, that was in my zone. And I, I feel confident um, donating a proceeds, like everything that I just had sold at iLounge, there's 25% are being, is being donated. Um, so that shift in money is really important to me every time, but just this idea of making these smaller editions of prints mm -hmm. and how do I keep that sustainable for myself while also, um, you know, being able to support the work and then also shifting the appropriate amount of money without making a profit as a white person on indigenous pain. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and there's a, uh, <laughs> yeah, what a, what a tangled web that is. And I, I, mm -hmm. I really uh, commend you for, for being so thoughtful about that. You know, I think um, it, it's, it's, we live in a society that it's very easy not to pay attention to such, such things. Yeah. So. I, I appreciate Thank you. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about your day job. Oh, yeah. You teach high school photography. Yes. At Perry High School. That's true. Yes. How has, uh, talk to me about how uh, teaching young people, mm. how, how has that informed your art? Yeah, so right away... I put a 35 millimeter camera back into my hands after years of not <laughs> shooting with one. Um, when I first started, that that was right away. And then that shifted my practice. I haven't put it down since. It's like I've been reunited with this thing that I've been missing all along yeah. and didn't know <laughs> it. Um, and they, 
they keep me fresh. They keep me on my toes. Yeah. You know, I've technically, I feel like I've become a more sound photographer because I'm teaching the basics all day, every day. Yeah. It's in my brain and and so I'm hearing what I'm teaching as I'm photographing for my own and um, that's been, you know, I think that's been really beneficial for my personal practice but hearing them speak about photography and, and seeing them get ignited yeah. when they see you know photographs or if we go on a field trip um my commercial and ap class they're um they're a uh, a combined class so okay. they're they're in a class to classroom together sure. and they uh we do critiques at least once um a quarter at least once a quarter we do critiques and um they the things they say you know they come up with these this these things and I'm like oh yeah I never thought about it that way yeah. and I get excited because they're getting excited and I do think that they have helped me see photography in this fresh way I I don't know that I could explain it but they are fresh eyes yeah they are because they're babies you know I, I get to see them go from babies you know have only photographed on their phones yeah. or didn't even know film really existed yeah. to falling in love with film and and making these beautiful photographs yeah. that I'm so impressed with I, I always tell students um, one, I, one I think is just always important to acknowledge that like we're living in the infancy of photography, right? It is, it is a, it is a new medium. It is still new technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and that technology is moving so fast and, uh, their generation, you know, maybe not our generation. I, you know, I, I grew up with, you know, Instamatic camera, like family photos on Instamatic mm -hmm. cameras and, you know, drugstore prints. And these students are growing up, with all of their knowledge being these perfect digital tools that make perfect digital images. And they're, you know, not only that, they're making thousands and thousands of photographs. Oh my gosh, yes. Like I tell my students all the time, I'm like, I mean, I, I've almost got to the point where it's like, I don't even need to teach you composition because you come in here and you intuitively know it because you've been cutting rectangles out of the world your whole life. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And so, I, I totally agree with you. Like, there's so much for us to learn from from our students because they're just growing up a lot more visually literate than we did. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, by the time I was in high school, I don't know, I probably had made fifty photographs maybe. in my life, maybe. Same. Right. Right. And these students are making fifty photographs before they leave their house in the morning. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a fascinating time. Uh, to, to both teach and learn photography. Mm -hmm. And and I do appreciate it, right? I think uh, the acknowledgement of being an educator and a student, like you're learning as you teach is the best, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I, and I, I think all, all of the best educators that I know, that's that's the mentality that they have, right? Is they're, they're still excited to learn, so. Yes. I think that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. So 
I think one myth that I'm always trying to uh, dispel in students <laughs> is this idea that that artists are these, um, you know, the starving artist. The the myth mm -hmm. that artists, you know, there's no way that you can be, you can be a happy, functional human if you're a if you're an artist or you're pursuing a career in the arts. Where do you think that myth came from, and what do you, how how would you dispel it? Yeah, so this is clearly Okay, I'll just say it. So, <laughs> I think in art history classes, we've learned about the straight able-bodied European white men and like the privilege that it is to be that you know, I think that there have always been artists making art that do it differently. I think we've always been around. And mm -hmm. I say we because I, I don't identify. I, you, you even said it. I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. I have a day job. I'm an artist. I think that leading by example, my kids see that I am creating art, mm -hmm. that I am a mom, and that I teach, and all three of those are really important. And it's like a Venn diagram. Sometimes they overlap and sometimes oh, yeah. they don't. And I think it's really important that my kids see that it is you can be an artist and not look like all of the artists in the art history textbook <laughs> yeah. or all of the artists that you, that we know like i say the word van gogh i say that name and and starry night pops up into our brain uh -huh. or so i i think i think it's what we have been taught and then what we as educators continue to teach and I and I don't I want to definitely make it clear that I am not a this or this I am a this and this so who can I teach next to Ansel Adams, right? Of course mm -hmm. I'm going to teach about Ansel Adams, but who can I teach next to Ansel sure. Adams? Who, what indigenous artists are making work about the land or their people or being photographed, being yeah. the object of the photograph for so long, you know, I think, I think I hold that as a very heavy responsibility as a teacher who is influencing beginning, advanced, commercial AP kids kids who are only going to learn about photography through me and mm -hmm. then they're going to move on to something else well yeah. who did they learn about in beginning photo yeah. oh you know yeah i think and even you know just a couple semesters ago i was only teaching about ansel adams 
in beginning Mm -hmm. where I was, I shouldn't say that because, you know, we, we look at examples, but I was only, uh, teaching about him on the, on, on a more in-depth scale. And, you know, I, 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 I say that I practice equity and diversity and inclusion, yet when I reflect on my practice, there are still areas where I need to improve. Yeah, sure. And I think that, I think I just went on a tangent. I think that's (laughs) what just happened. So let me wrap this back around. I think it comes, I think it changes with who we as educators show. Yeah. And I think it's who we as artists hold up. Because we do admire artists, right? Like yeah. who who do we admire? Who can we share with the world? Who can we amplify? Yep. Totally. I mean, that's what we do, right? We're, we're amplifying voices and we get to choose that. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, I, th- I love the, I love that you said that you're not, uh, you know, this or that you're this and that, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's not about excluding anyone, but we don't need to just talk. I mean, the easiest thing to do is to teach intro to photo and only use examples of, you know, old white men right (laughs) you know that's that's the easiest thing in the Mm -hmm. world to do as a photo educator um and i you know something else that you said that really that really kind of like made me think differently is this idea of like uh not male white photographers have always existed right Mm -hmm. um maybe maybe post uh you know post let's say the beginning of the 20th century you know female photographers existed photographers of color existed right um but it's easy to forget that because of who who we are sharing Mm -hmm. and who we have seen and i know Mm -hmm. that you know my first photo class yeah i mean edward weston Mm -hmm. ansel adams Mm -hmm. you know you know, all of, all of them, you know, just, uh, dust, you know, dust them off and, and show them when, you know, there are, you know, Roy Dekarava is one of my all time favorite photographers. Mm. He's like, you know, an amazing African American photographer that is probably the best printer that has ever lived. Mm. And it, I just feel lucky because later on in my photo education, I was introduced to those, those artists that aren't traditionally held up. So I think that that's great that you're that you're sharing that with with high school level students, you know, because I think you do get those students that will take the class and never take another photo class again. Yeah. Or you'll have the student that then comes to college, right? And um, I get I know I get students from from different high schools, and I really appreciate the ones that have had uh, critique based education, mm-hmm. right? they you can just tell that they're a little bit more comfortable talking about a photograph Mm -hmm. um it's not just i like it or i don't like it they can talk a little bit more about it yeah and i appreciate getting students that you know have a little bit wider range of of 
influences, right, of, of, of what's influencing them. So I think that that's a, that's yeah. a really important thing to, to teach at the high school level. So I appreciate that too. Thank you. And yeah. I do it because I didn't have that. Totally. Yeah. I didn't, I had zero understanding of anything photographic. I didn't have any influential photographers. I just knew that photography was something that uh, ran in my family. That's what really? I used to say. That <laughs> yeah, the yeah. photography gene ran in my family on both sides of the family. And I just liked, I liked photographing. Yeah. It, it felt good to me. Yeah. But I had no knowledge. Huh, that's cool. Well, you have you definitely have knowledge now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, what advice would you give to young art students that are going through college right now, in twenty twenty one? Yeah, I would say that it is so important to soak everything in that you can listen and contemplate on what others and what artists that you admire and maybe not even admire have to say and see if that view of the world like you chew on it for a little bit how does that feel to you like you know is that something can you open yourself up to a new idea um College isn't about knowing everything. It's about learning the things that you don't know and opening opening yourself to, to new things. Um, I think that, and that is definitely from personal experience, mm -hmm. that advice, because my world got blown open when I went to college, which is probably why I keep going back <laughs> all the time because my world gets blown open every time. Yeah. Um, and then I also want to say a bit about the making process too. I used to get tripped up when I was in college, when I was an undergrad, I used to get tripped up on making bad photos. And I see my high school students doing the same thing. And I said something the other day in our critique and all of my students were like, hold on, let me write this down. So I'm bringing it here today. <laughs> okay. I, so I said, bad photos are better than no photos because when you make photos, you're learning and growing. And I, I sometimes have to still remind myself of that. Yeah. So this is a nice little reminder for me today. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I love the, like, uh, making and analyzing your separate processes and, and they should be separate. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I mean, I think that's something else that I really like about you is like, you know, I'm thinking about like. I know I've seen a photo of you where you're you're out taking pictures and you have a, a backpack with a baby carrier on it. Yeah. And I love it because it's like, I always think about that, like as photographers, we're pretty lucky. We get, we get to like bring this thing around with us, right? Yes. We don't have to drag around a canvas or a, a wheel or a bunch right. of clay. Like we get to just carry this thing around with us and like freeze these moments of our lives. Yeah. And you know, that is something that I really appreciate about you is you have made photography fit into your life mm. and you continue to make photography fit into your life. And I think that's, that's a really important thing is that 
you know, as life changes, as your life has changed, you have constantly uh, revamped your practice and you have uh, stayed committed to making and you have found how to make art part of your life. And that's something that I, I yeah. really think the world of you for that. And I think that that is like oh. an admirable thing. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. I had to. You had to. <laughs> there was well, no other it? choice. There was no yeah, other yeah. choice. Totally. I think I, I brought two cameras with us to the hospital when I Did gave you? birth. Two <laughs> film cameras. Two Did film you? cameras. Yeah. That's cool. I, uh, I took a couple while I was in labor <laughs> and really? then I was like, okay, yeah. enough of this. Uh, I need uh, to focus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> I think, I think that's a testament right there. You're, you're an ar artist to your core yeah. and I really appreciate your time and Thank wisdom you. that you've shared with our students. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope we all can apply some of Megan's wisdom to our own creative paths. I really think that she's an expert at weaving a meaningful life together. And I hope you all didn't mind Addie, my dog, jumping into the interview a little bit in there. And until next time, I hope you can go and make something. Take care.